episode number 18 of the covert show i'm jc joining me as always nick on uh, the uh, skype and joining me today also is special guest steven cutler welcome to the show steven a lot of uh, good football some mlb you're in the same place unfortunately my toronto blue jays are watching uh, the postseason from the couch yeah, well, it, at least it seems like your Blue Jays are uh, on the upward of the ladder and not just stuck on the same rung that you have been for the past few years uh, like the Yanks are. But, uh, yeah, I'm taking a break from the playoffs. I'll probably tune back in for the CS. So we'll just go ahead and jump in right there. It is the postseason Wild card games have been played and for the Dodgers, a team that won more than 100 games, they got through. Unfortunately for you on the AL side, Boston uh, took care of the Yankees. But taking a step back from that, the chaos that was the final day, and from a Toronto Blue Jays standpoint, it needed one. Toronto needed one team to win. They needed either the Red Sox or the Yankees to lose. I'm curious. From your perspective, Stephen, as a Yankees fan, did you ever feel like there was a shot that the Yankees weren't going to win on that final day? Because you had Seattle and Toronto trying to chase down your team. Well, considering we won that game one game to nothing uh, that day, yes, there were a lot of times. <laughs> that's 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 a real win. Uh, that's a yeah. real. I can't look at the TV screen right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we scored until the eighth or ninth inning that day. I don't know. Uh, it feels I... like an eternity ago now, but yeah, it was uh, it was pretty nerve wracking because I know I was scoreboard watching as well, and we weren't playing offense. And I'm I'm just hoping that either Toronto or Boston lost, and then suddenly we won, and uh, then. And Boston was down big at that point, too. Uh, and they came back and won it, which was unfortunate, obviously, uh, as it turned out. So. Yeah, that whole uh, weekend was nerve-wracking. Uh, Toronto ends up one game short in the playoffs, unfortunately. They did everything they could. They got Baltimore for the final three and really just had an offensive slugfest against them. And like you said, I don't know which one of the teams winning ahead of Toronto, New York, or Boston made me the most upset because, like you said, Boston was down big to Washington, uh, New York, and Tampa. You knew it was going to be a good one. That was tied, I think, into the ninth. The Yankees end up winning that. It, it, it was frustrating. And like I was telling you before, telling you guys before this, to me – Toronto never even should have been in that position. I mean, their their pitching was fine. The offense was good. But, unfortunately, Toronto getting to watch from the sideline. We do know the ALDS winners as uh, Boston surprises Tampa Bay and Houston. I would say not necessarily surprising win over Chicago. What were some of your guys' thoughts, first starting on the AL side of things, uh, as the Boston Red Sox and Houston Astros advanced to the ALCS. Kind of looking at that Boston series, I mean, Tampa just looked like they were slowed down. Their their pitching was good, but their offense was kind of just, they were struggling at points. Big hits were kind of falling away from them. Randy Rosarena still in the playoffs is just insane. He had a tremendous series. 
And the one thing that you can't take away from is trying to play baseball at Fenway Park in the postseason. Oh, you're you're sitting at a disadvantage already. That place gets loud. You're sitting at the short porch. Um, and the Red Sox came ready to play. So that'll be an interesting series. The Astros make it for a fifth consecutive year. Jose Altuve is, I think, now on the fifth or sixth position for postseason home runs with 17. It was a competitive series all the way through, even with the White Sox. They were trying to go uh, last game, sadly, unable to. The Astros hitting just that lineup is still very, very good in the postseason, no matter what you throw or who you throw against them. So I think that should be an interesting series kind of all the way through. I would love to see the Red Sox actually kind of win it. But I think of it in this series, you're going to get a, I think you'll probably get a full seven games. So what yeah. is, or, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I, I was surprised the way that uh, ALDS turned out between uh, Boston and Tampa. Um, it, but the one thing that just kind of sticks out to me, and uh, maybe this is just my Yankee fan ego talking, but it continues to prove to us that the money ball approach isn't going to work in Major League Baseball anymore. Uh, and it hasn't in the first place. And Tampa Bay, like props to them, they're able to make the playoffs and win the division on their budget constantly. They just can't uh, make the runs uh, to that World Series title. I will say kind of with that money ball approach, it works to a certain extent. The only thing that I think is actually in Tampa Bay's favor is the fact that you have been now to, I think it's either two or three consecutive playoffs and you're constantly keeping the same team or you're at least able to keep the same core offensive guys and guys that can play the field. And that's honestly better for you than keeping the pitching because you can always find pitching and you can always find those veteran guys. But keeping guys like Meadows and Rosarena um, and Choi, just being able to run that rotation through on a lineup, that is what's better for the money ball approach, in my opinion, to hopefully kind of break that barrier and compete with a team like Boston down the stretch. But Boston just has so many experienced guys where that lineup is going to be constantly running through. You got Schwarber, who's been there um, a couple years now, and he's kind of leading that charge. You got Xander Bogarts as well, and you got a very good veteran pitching staff. So it should be interesting to see how they match up. And I'm curious to hear what you guys think. On the other side of that, that Houston win over Chicago, you saw the same thing that's been going on throughout the year. The Houston Astros are cheaters, this, that, and the other thing. Is there going to be a point where people kind of let this go? Or because Houston won a World Series and really didn't have any repercussions, I mean, there was some, but not really anything that's going to change the history of them winning the World Series is there going to be a point where people get past it, or will this just be something that you hear year in and year out here for the next few years by the Astros? I think uh, you, you just kind of got to look back at some of those other scandals that you've seen in Major League Baseball. Steroid scandal obviously jumps out to the front, and uh, very rarely, if ever, were fans forgiving. I mean, you still uh, find a ton of fans today that won't recognize Barry Bonds for much what he did because of the steroids. Um, Roger Clemens sticks out as somebody who gets a lot of flack for uh, his steroid usage. Or, you know what, even go back, we're talking about the White Sox, go back to the Black Sox scandal, or Pete Rose for that matter, when it comes to gambling and baseball. Uh, baseball is not a forgiving sport, at least the uh, 
older culture of baseball. They're, it's not very forgiving of scandals, and I don't think this Houston Astros thing is going to be any different. I definitely kind of agree with that, Stephen. When you go back to all the older kind of scandals in baseball, and I'll even throw it to to the A-Rod scandal. I mean, A-Rod came back after his PED thing, and he was getting thrown at constantly for months. The Astros, when they first got back after they won the World Series, I mean, for I think for their first like five or six straight series, everybody threw at Springer, Altuve, Correa. And I mean, it's like at some point, then yes, umpires finally kind of gave in and said, okay, we need to stop doing this. But if you just look at the team itself, what they did, that's a little bit more inexcusable than I would say Pete Rose gambling for other games and not his own team. And that man should be, and I will still stand by that in the Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds, you took steroids. You still have to be good enough to hit a ball 450 feet off guys throwing 95, 96. A-Rod is the same way. Um, I think it's one thing to be able to kind of start trying to let it go but just because the Astros are that same pesky team that always find find a way to make the playoffs, it's you're not going to let it go. Fans will always be unhappy about it. And then looking on the NLDS side of things, Atlanta takes down Milwaukee 3-1. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Dodgers and Giants in what I think everybody was hoping was going to be a five-game series between those two. Uh, your guys' thoughts on the NL side of things with Atlanta advancing and then tomorrow's game between the Dodgers and Giants. The Braves are my favorite. The Braves are probably, I really wanted a Braves race series. I thought that was going to be what it was, or at least what it could have been. Um, but the Braves are just way too good up and down, one through nine. They're way too good in the bullpen. Freddie Freeman showing what he does, just being able to be in the clutch. So I think that the if you're going to pitch around the Braves, it's going to be maybe you beat them with off speed or you just find a way to really try to pitch around them at the bottom of the zone and force them to try to elevate the baseball and force them to actually put good balls in play. When you look at the Dodgers and the Giants, you've got Julio uh, Urias. He's on the mound tomorrow against Logan Webb. That's To me, that's tough in San Francisco, but with Urias on the mound, I think the Dodgers might have a little bit more of an advantage and Trey Turner swinging a very, very, very hot stick right now. I think he's got like four or five extra base hits right now. So I don't know. I, I think the John or I think the Dodgers and the the Braves will be the National League Championship Series. I gotta agree with you with the Dodgers. I still think they're the favorite. They got in in the wild card spot with prob. I I'd love to see the statistic uh, who has the most wins in a wild card position. Uh, coming into this play, into the playoffs, if the Dodgers are on the top, because they uh, are well over a hundred wins going into there. But uh, you got to love what the Giants have been able to do this year with what they absolutely had. Uh, it, it's been amazing. I've never seen anything like it, and I I've been watching baseball for as long as I can remember. Uh, now, granted, that's a nice short twenty uh, some odd years, but. Uh, <laughs> It's been amazing what the Giants have done, but it's hard to ignore just how complete this Dodgers team is. There's no team in Major League Baseball that's as complete as the Dodgers are. I would have loved to see the Brewers make a run. I I really would have loved to see that, but uh, I I think um, there just wasn't enough gas in that roster uh, to make it past the DS. 
And to kind of piggyback off that real quick, the Dodgers, I think, in my opinion, just starting staff going all the way through, even with, yes, we could talk about all day long, Kenley Jansen coming up in slight postseason debacles, but you can look at this Dodger bullpen starter through end and just there is not an arm that is easy to beat. And there's not an arm that is like even coming close to being difficult to beat. They are the toughest challenge right now when it looks at a bullpen. You're staring literally the fighting, just the fighting dog in the face, and you're really hoping that you can at least get a treat off it. It's, uh, it is ridiculous to look at that starting rotation and the rest of the bullpen. The past few trade deadlines, hasn't it felt like uh, you, you're like, this is the trade that makes the Dodgers the best team in Major League Baseball history, and then every new trade deadline, they make another oh. trade makes them look even better it's it's ridiculous and the giants even made it forward with um their trade deadline bryant may not have been as productive but when he got back on the giants he was getting productive you look at guys like schwarber he was very hot with the nationals and then once he got to the red sox he really started picking it up again so i think this year's trade deadlines and the teams that are in the postseason really showed how well their programs can actually be, how well their coaching staff is, and how devoted they are to getting back year after year. And I, I would agree with you. The Dodgers pick up Scherzer and Turner and Trey Turner. I mean, that's just – that's insane. That was probably their best pickups of the year, and look how it turned out for them. I mean, they're, they're sitting high. And if they lose this series, I think everybody's going to be shocked. So that is uh, a lot of interesting input there. I mean, I hate to say it. I don't want to say I've been 100% checked out because I've been following it not as closely as I was for the final game of the season, but a little bit checked out after uh, Toronto couldn't uh, make the playoffs there at the end. Looking at NCAA football in the great state of Iowa, one of the biggest wins in recent memory, I think some people have been saying since 1985, the Iowa Hawkeyes took down Penn State in a battle of what was three versus four. Iowa State scores 10 in the fourth to win 23-20 uh, as they knock out Penn State. I'm sure you guys have heard this. You follow sports. Uh, Hawkeyes and Penn State really do not like one another as uh, Penn State. Oh, it's a brutal series. As uh, Iowa thinks Penn State was uh, faking some injuries to stop the clock, which isn't exactly against the rules, but against the spirit of the rules. Uh, I'd got Kirk Ferentz to come out and say, hey, these guys were definitely up to something. Definitely not disparaging against those that were actually hurt, but a big win for the Hawkeyes. Um, you know, the other big game, there was a bunch of them, but Texas A&M beating Alabama – how surprised were you guys? Alabama loses this one late, forty-one thirty-eight against Texas A&M. It's definitely not the one that you're circling on the schedule that Alabama loses. But oh, when it, no, huh? um, I look at some of their past losses, and the maybe LSU uh, more recently is one that you could have said, but not at least until five, four games into the season. What have you said? LSU's beating Alabama. Uh, it's it's always the team that you least likely uh, or you think is least likely going to do it against the Crimson Tide. And um, I, I watched that game. Atmosphere looked absolutely nuts. That's one of my favorite stadiums in the NCAA uh, down there. And call uh, it's called Station, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but that 
that was an awesome game to watch. I There were so many times, though, where I was kind of losing hope. I'm like, all right, this is when Alabama pulls away. This is when Alabama pulls away. Uh, but it happened, and that was awesome. And now I think all four of last year's playoff teams have dropped a game. I think if you actually look at the perspective of this, this has been – and John, Jonathan knows this. I've been kind of hyping up Texas A&M a little bit this year. This is where people expected – this team to be being scrappy, being able to compete with Alabama, using that offense, not one and two sitting in that big uh, or in that SEC West. Again, Texas A&M might not have been the team to circle on the schedule. To me personally, it was Florida and Alabama only edged them out by that two point margin. But if you just kind of look at the games that Alabama has been playing against their ranked opponents and just very tough teams, they've been sloppy. I mean, even against the 42-21 to 21 Ole Miss, they just looked sloppy. They weren't getting up to the line very fast. They were kind of letting the situation just take hold. And Saban even, uh, there was like the excuse where you couldn't hear the snap count. It's like, as, as the number one team in the program, if you can't hear your snap count or you can't figure out around that to be in the SEC and to play in that environment at College Station, then you got to check yourself because that is not the excuse that you can be using. Because there are plenty of other college football stadiums that get loud, but the home of the 12th man out in College Station, that is the biggest one yet. Besides a happy valley on a wideout, you are looking at one of the loudest stadiums in the country. And I think that really showed that Alabama can get flustered very easily. Bryce Young, still a very young quarterback. Granted, he's got 1,700 passing yards under his belt so far this season. He's still very good in the pocket, but I mean, it's... It's a tough task to ask for for a sophomore quarterback going into your first time at College Station. And then looking around some of the other matchups, there were a lot of close ones down the stretch. Uh, Notre Dame managed to pull it out against uh, Virginia Tech 32-29. The big winner, Kentucky, takes down LSU 42-21. Georgia takes down Auburn 34-10. And Nick... We knew we were going to talk about this game eventually. What a roller coaster. I don't know if you watched it live. I assume you did. Uh, Michigan ends up coming back and beating Nebraska 32-29. Nebraska had the ball late, gave it up. Michigan scores. I mean, this is a wild ride of emotions as a Nebraska fan. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this the best, the best way that I can. <laughs> um, one... I was really happy with the way just the scoreboard went and the way that the guys were able to pick it up. Coming out of halftime, down 13 nothing, they just came back and just started throwing punches, and they were still throwing punches on defense the entire game. And this, to me, is what Nebraska football should at least be expected to have. It's just this mentality to fight and be just straight up, just pound for pound, being able to hold up with good lines. This is three straight losses now to top-ranked teams um, by seven points or less which is very, very good compared to where we were against with Mike Riley. Uh, The one thing that I will say, and this is – everybody's probably known that this was coming. The officiating crew, obviously not the best. (laughs) I really don't know if you can call a pass interference on a ball thrown 20 yards back into the end zone that is fully uncatchable and then put the ball at the three-yard line. To me, that was one of the more upsetting calls than a lot of them, but – Nah, I'll keep it forward with you. Nebraska is playing better football. They're actually using the offense that they have to their advantage. Martinez is looking a little bit more sharp. And I think that towards the end of the season, we've got two really big games left when it comes to ranked teams. 
in Ohio State and Iowa. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we take one from either one of those two teams. So this... I think Minnesota Minnesota could be a win. Purdue's going to be a win. Wisconsin will edge out, and we lose either Ohio State or Iowa. I can't tell yet, but we're going to take one from somebody. Okay, well, that answered what I was about to ask. This game has to give you some more confidence. I mean, Nebraska beating Wisconsin, that that tells me all I need to know about what you think confidence-wise. Heading out of this game, uh, 32-29, Nebraska loses. Uh, Some other games, BYU was ranked. They lost to Boise State 26-17. Yeah, they did. Arkansas loses to Mississippi 52-51. Oklahoma beats Texas 55-48. I'm sure you guys are dying to talk about this one as a a back-and-forth game with this one as well. You can't jump out. And I I said this before the podcast. I wish I was on last week because I would have said the same dang thing. But you cannot have the same game and say, okay, yeah, somebody's going to win. It's, it's going to be whoever jumps out first, big, will lose. Because nobody holds in this game. The, the, first, the first half is always a bust for one team or the other. <laughs> for this year, it was Oklahoma. They were not able to play good. Spencer Rattler got benched for, I think it was the third game this year. And they took him out. And then all of a sudden, here comes Oklahoma back again. Texas secondary. They want to be in the SEC. You can't protect against the pass. You have no shot. Drops everything. The run defense, I am fine with at Texas. Steve Sarkeesian, offense, looking good. You got a great quarterback in Thompson. That's fine. You gave up 28 points. You expect to win in the SEC? No, sir. (laughs) Bye-bye. They got Oklahoma State this weekend, number 12. That's in Austin. I still say Oklahoma State wins. You cannot win a game when you allow 52 points because your secondary blows coverages. And I knew it was going to happen. And as soon as I I was in uh, India, or where was I? I was in Valley this weekend. I looked at the phone as soon as I turned the game on. (laughs) Oklahoma runs for a touchdown, and that ends the game. I oh, it, it aggravates me so much to see that this Texas program is fine with being mediocre. And I, I will take it better than Nebraska when losing six games a year, but it, you cannot want to just lose games like this when you have that big of a lead. But like we've talked about in podcasts before, doesn't it make you excited to see Texas go to the SEC? Like, no. At le- I'm, I'm For a personal, for me, like we've talked about before, I think it's intriguing just because I think Texas thinks that they can run with them. And like you I said, I mean, I they're going to get 50 points a game put up on them. And chances are Texas against an SEC defense probably won't score 50. So I think it'll be uh, entertaining as uh, this these two end up going to the SEC. But Oklahoma wins. And then some controversy around Oklahoma today as – is Spencer Rattler going to the transfer portal? As uh, that's something that's been rumored. Uh, Oklahoma shut down their uh, press meetings, whatever you want to call them, until Saturday. So that's another interesting one. I don't know what you guys have heard about that, but in my brief looking around social media, I saw that, that maybe Spencer Rattler is going to – the transfer portal, I mean, it sounded like the student section got after him pretty good uh, in the game against Texas on Saturday. Oh, yeah. 
They definitely did. And if you kind of just look at the numbers throughout the year, he's not really where he was projected to be. He was projected to be a lead on the Heisman candidate or on the Heisman candidacy, or at least in that top five. He's not sitting there really. He's only got 1,300 passing yards. He's not throwing the ball very well. Shades of last year are coming through. And this was the biggest thing that I was worried about with Spencer Rattler this year. The first half and the first couple of games, he's fine. As soon as it gets that second half, he shuts down. He'll either start forcing passes, not being able to read the spread, not being able to read a defense, and he'll force balls downfield that shouldn't be. He doesn't take his time. He's got five interceptions and only 10 touchdowns this year. Not the numbers that you want, especially coming after Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield. And Lincoln Riley's a great coach to produce quarterbacks. But right now, when you're kind of getting benched and you're not able to find that rhythm on an offense, and especially even though, yes, it is Texas and their struggle bus, but it's the Red River, and you can't find yourself just an absolute rhythm on that, it's tough, but you got to be able to pick it out because they've only had, looking at the last four games, Nebraska 23-16, West Virginia 16-13, Kansas State 37-31, and then Texas 55-48. Those are less than or seven points or less games. I mean, Oklahoma should be stomping people, but their their offense is not coming into full color. I don't think your uh, Spencer Rattler uh, era is quite done yet. Uh, the, the rumors of him entering the transfer portal, I feel like that may be a little more uh, fan fan hearsay across uh, the social medias, maybe, but this is the first I've heard of it, I guess. Um, So maybe I I, I don't know who the information is coming from, but, and and I I despise Spencer Rattler uh, as a human (laughs) being. Uh, But the... Get after it, big guy. (laughs) I I would say, uh, like, I, I doubt he's done. I feel like we have a few more weeks to see uh, what he can do, especially uh, Oklahoma. Like you said, Lincoln Riley is a great quarterback coach. Let's see what he can do. Um, but that being said, I think the leash is short, uh, especially after, like you mentioned, the start. The numbers aren't great. The wins, the points versus the loser aren't great. And, uh yeah, the leash is short. I say two weeks' time, if uh, we're still seeing Rattler uh, struggling, you might see a new quarterback in that uh, crimson. If Spencer Rattler does not limit his turnovers, I say he's I say he's out. They'll give him Kansas, obviously. I would hope they would, just because it's going to be Kansas, or switch out just for the rollover. But I think his next couple of tests, besides TCU, will either be Texas Tech or Baylor when he's out. He's not He's not going to be in for Bedlam. And if he is, it's because he turned his way around, and Oklahoma State's going to be ready for that because they should know how to play him. They've played him for two straight years. But if he is not playing in Bedlam, then that kind of shows you where Spencer Rattler's going to be. So with all that being said, jumping ahead to this week, looking at some of the Games for Friday, some of the games for Saturday, and some of the early lines, starting with Oklahoma taking on Cal. Oklahoma 13.5-point favorites in that one. Uh, moving Oklahoma taking on Cal? You mean Oregon taking Oregon, on Cal? Yeah. Oregon, yeah. Oregon's 13.5-point favorite. Uh, for that one, uh, moving to 
Cincinnati and UCF. That's an interesting one there, more so because of what UCF was there for a little bit. Uh, Cincinnati, 21-point favorites in that one. Uh, You talked about Oklahoma State and Texas. Texas, actually, five-point favorites heading into that matchup there. Florida LSU. Favorites on offense, not defense. Florida and LSU with uh, Florida 12-point favorites for that one. I did have the line for your Nebraska game and Minnesota. It is the Nebraska team with a four and a half point favorite on the road. I was looking to see the Iowa. Here you go. Iowa and Purdue, 11 and a half point favorite, the Hawkeyes and Kentucky, Georgia, an interesting one. Georgia, 23 point favorites against Kentucky. Despite the fact Kentucky's in the top fifteen, what are what are your thoughts on some of these games here? Hawkeyes eleven and a half against Purdue. It seems like a catch. I don't want to be that person, but Iowa. It just seems perpetually has a problem with either Purdue and or Northwestern. So we'll see what happens there. What are some of your thoughts heading into the weekend of college football? I've been uh, saying for at least for the past few weeks when it comes to Iowa, until Iowa shows me they can't win games without an offensive attack, uh, I'm going to keep picking Iowa uh, because that defense automatically makes them a favorite, even at this spread uh, for me because of the points that they can potentially produce uh, and the rushing attack, I feel like is going to come along eventually. I don't have a ton of faith in their quarterback and <laughs> Spencer Peters, but uh, that I, I I'm with that spread. You know, I, come back to me on the Northwestern game because I have a little less faith, like for Iowa when they play the Wildcats. But uh, <laughs> oh man, uh, but, but with this Purdue game, I, I I'm with that spread. And that was something kind of go. I was going to jump in oh, sorry, here uh, quick. Go for it. Skype's fun because it seems like you're jumping in and then uh, cuts in. Anyway, I was going to say this is interesting to me. A lot of people thought Maryland was going to be the catch game for Iowa, and we all know how that went. Iowa blew the doors off them. So it is intriguing to see uh, which Big Ten team outside of their bigger games later in the season will be that team that sticks close. It's all yours, Nick. I personally think Purdue is the catch game for Iowa this year. Northwestern is not the team they have been for the last five years. Um, they're they're struggling on offense. The defense is struggling to be that scrappy team and producing turnovers. Meanwhile, I agree with Steven. Iowa is one of the best teams in the country at producing turnovers. Their interception rate is insane. Uh, I think they had three or four against Penn State last week. I think if Sean Clifford stays in, that game might be just a tiny bit closer, if not on the other side of the Penn State line. But Iowa still played their tails off. That defense is nuts. But I think Purdue, without Rondell Moore and the rest of the offense that they've kind of had, I think they're a little bit more of the dog in the fight. But like we've all talked about, Iowa plays Purdue very weird and just can't find a way to work around it. Texas, Oklahoma State, it's going to be the same story. I think Texas might be able to make a defensive adjustment, but otherwise the secondary is just going to get ripped apart. Cincinnati with their first test at number three and just continuing to show why their offensive power is is there. Turnovers there as well. Desmond Ritter, 
looking to try to make a Heisman case for himself. The game I was super excited for, Jonathan, I'm glad you said it, and I'm glad the point spread is as weird as it is, Kentucky versus Georgia. This is going to be a test between the top two teams in the SEC East. It's going to be a winner-takes-control for at least a week. JT Daniels figuring himself out with a little bit of a rhythm. Kentucky looking to try to keep that momentum off the floor to win and bouncing LSU pretty big. I think if we're going to have an upset this week, it would be a Kentucky one in Athens. I disagree with that. Uh, (laughs) I'm no betting expert, but take Georgia on the spread there. I I still don't believe in Kentucky. You can't get me to believe in Kentucky. I think this is completely an SEC. uh, You think it's the SEC hype train? It, it is a SEC hype train because you know what well, the, S, the, uh, well, the pollers really like to do with these uh, like third to fourth tier SEC schools. As soon as they get themselves a win over a uh, probably not as good as they usually are ranked opponent, uh, Florida, uh, then can, then they boost this team so far up in the rankings and then they beat somebody with a brand name like LSU who's obviously not lsu that we know them to be and then they boost them even more i'm not buying into kentucky i will not buy into kentucky uh i hope they prove me wrong i hate georgia i hate them so much <laughs> please, please prove me wrong but i'm not buying the wildcats on this one i think the wildcats would be the ones to besides let's look at let's take a look at the rest of georgia's schedule here because kentucky's kind of got a little bit of a like you said a snowball schedule so after Kentucky, Georgia's got Florida. They go, they stay back home for Athens at two games. Missouri, Tennessee, looks like Chattanooga or something like Charleston that. Charleston Southern, Tech. there you or go, Charleston dude. Southern, there's sorry. the upset there's, there's special your, of the your decade. Snowball game. There's your other <laughs> snowball game. So yeah, I think the next two chances for an up, upset against this Georgia team, as as strong as they look, are within the next two weeks. Probably not, but. I'm picking my my very big dog in the fight for the week is going to be this Kentucky Wildcat team. Trying to get back to the other screen here to look at any other games that I thought were going to be interesting for the week. Uh, let's see. What else we got? Oklahoma, TCU. And that's going to be a hopefully a blowout by Oklahoma to kind of get back on track. I've got really much else for for good ranked games this week. Yeah, I was going to say, what I've listed was what I thought were going to be the most uh, interesting All stiff competition, ones. but not too bad. Michigan State, Indiana, maybe? Is Indiana good enough to run with Michigan State? I mean, I mean, I mean, if Nebraska was, but the one big thing from Indiana, they got bumped by Penn State the last time. They're coming off a week. 24-0 was their last loss. They lost to Cincinnati 38-24 and Iowa 34 to 6 so they've got three straight ranked losses on the year. I think the defense could hold. Michigan State does not seem like the very big power offense that they are kind of put on to be with paper, but their defense is also kind of very high on when it comes to putting on pick stops and not allowing a lot of yards. So I think Michigan State could still hold that game. All right, and so with that we're going to jump uh Quickly into NHL, it's the beginning of the season, so not necessarily a whole bunch to talk about here, but I'll go through some of the scores. Uh, Penguins won big against the Lightning. Kraken played their opening game at Las Vegas. It was a 3-4 
or a 4-3 loss, I should say, for the Kraken. Uh, they did have one of the really cool on-ice graphics. The Golden Knights do a really good job with that. Games today, Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Canadians 2-1. Capitals over the Rangers 5-1. It does my heart good anytime the Rangers get clobbered. Avalanche beat the Blackhawks 4-2. Ducks beat the Jets 4-1. And Oilers over the Canucks in a shootout. My Devils don't get in action until Friday uh, when they host the Blackhawks. Maybe it'll be a good year. I haven't had a chance to see a whole lot of uh, what they're doing yet, but that's just a quick look at that. All right, NFL time. We're all uh, chomping at the bit to get at this one. Uh, we... After some stick and puck with the boys, eh? <laughs> yeah, just, uh, just right after that. Uh, week five picks. RC, how about this one? RC, I think for the first time in the first five weeks, what? has the best record at 12 and 4. Whoa. Uh, I think going through the Shiners were the Broncos, the Raiders were a loss, uh, Kansas City. Kind of saw that one coming. I saw that one coming. Like to take credit the, for that. I called the Bills on that one. Um, I go 11 and 5. You go 9 and 7. And how about this as well? Hexbug, for the second consecutive week, actually managed to pick more than half right. Uh, So RC and I are tied for first. You're back three games. The Hexbug is back 14 games. So, well, we might have an early exit there with the uh, Hexbugs. So looking at last week, uh, we can kind of touch on both of these. This is actually the week before uh, the Urban Meyer controversy Obviously, breaking on Monday Night Football, you had the John Gruden uh, mess. Here's my first thought with the Gruden thing. What he said in those emails is horrible. I don't think anybody can argue that. And if they can, then they probably really shouldn't be arguing that because it's, it's a bad thing. But here's the thing. They weren't looking for that. They were looking into the Washington football team, and somehow, out of that investigation, it's Gruden getting rolled under the bus here. So right away, it's a little weird on that front. I think the NFL Players Association wants all 650,000 emails released. I would put money down. The NFL is going to go, no thanks. It's going to be interesting to see who the NFL picks and chooses out of this to roll under the bus for this sort of thing. Uh, and I'll kind of go a little bit of the, the full journalism devil's advocate and kind of use Carson King as an example here. They went through a full check on him when they were trying to search who this guy was and found tweets back way, 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 way back when he was tweeting about Taj.0. And John Gruden in the defense had... 6,000 emails, not just two tweets on Twitter, but I I personally think that if you're going to start investigating people and start, like, if you're going to dive deep into stuff and this gets exposed, then I think the NFL did right there, at least with the Players Association words are hard today. I personally think that if the NFL tries to defend Gruden, they it really shows that Roger Goodell, not the the best manager, and we got a Cowboys situation all over again with Jerry Jones. Uh, Before Steven jumps in, there is one comparison here of the Carson King thing. I don't know how young he was when that came out, 
but this is John Gruden was 48 when all these oh, emails yeah. started. So there's not really that excuse for him. I'm not defending Gruden. Don't get what I'm saying wrong here. I'm just saying that this was an investigation that it wasn't directed at him, but these are the emails being released. It, it makes you wonder, is there a bunch of owners on in these 650,000 emails or what is, why is there being seemingly picking and choosing going on in there? So like I said, a couple of uh, controversies. Do you have anything to add in here for this, uh, Stephen? Either the Urban Meyer debacle last week or the ongoing Gruden Washington football team NFL seemingly about to be a snowball of disaster as well. Uh, I, I don't have a much of an opinion on the Gruden thing. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of sticking with my buddy who I work with who's actually from the Bay Area. So this is why they fired him and not like three years ago, but uh, for be, just being a bad football coach. <laughs> uh, but uh, in the case of this situation and kind of with your questioning on it, uh, Jonathan, as far as like, why'd they pick him? Why'd they uh, draw? Uh, yes, he said terrible things, but like, uh, I'm sure there was other bad things going on. Well, John Gruden is kind of a face, a, a big face in the NFL, a Monday night football guy, a Super Bowl winning coach uh, back in Tampa Bay, and I think one of the longer, if not the longest contract at the time. And a lot uh, of money being thrown his way, too. Yeah. So, like, he, he's one of the more recognizable faces in the NFL in general, players, coaches, owners alike. I'm sure there were probably owners saying some bad shit in those emails. Um, but, like, Gruden's a lot more recognizable than whoever owns the Houston Texans. Fair. Uh, so I, 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 that's I, that probably a big reason why Gruden was – uh, picked out of this group of emails that they were investigating through the Washington football team. So let me ask you guys this. Do you think this investigation will, this will be about where the NFL cuts it off? Or will there be, as this thing kind of saturates and really starts to, some of these, more of these emails are leaked or whatever we're going to say happens there. Will there be some accountability for the ownership or whoever's in these emails. Like, clearly, it's not just John Gruden with the Washington football team, owner, GM, whoever uh, specifically that was. Is there going to be some more accountability, or is this the NFL just kind of saying, all right, we're going to basically roll Gruden under the bus and then just see if we can shrug off the rest of this investigation? Because it's an NFL investigation. I mean, that's part of my thing here is, okay, you're going to do an investigation that you're looking at the Washington football team. The only thing you're going to turn up are these emails from Gruden, and then you're just going to let this thing go. I think it's a bad look for the NFL if they do that. I would definitely agree. Personally, this might be a very big overstepping comment, but I'm going to make it. The NFL gives out just slaps on the wrist more than Oprah Winfrey gives out money in cars <laughs> on a show. I mean, holy crap. If the NFL does not take a single shred of dignity and go through all of this, then the league just should be disbanded at this point. I mean, they've had so many cases with players, coaches on so many other things with all these emails that they do not take action on some level and give more than just a slap on the wrist. I would be furious. 
but I, I think I think that's what they're trying to do. I mean, I don't think the NFL, oh, yeah. because you saw the NFL Players Association today is like, hey, you should let those emails go and we should have people looking at these. And the NFL is like, I, I sincerely doubt they're going to give them out. I mean, it's what they no, should do, not. but. Yeah. I hope the NFLPA keeps the pressure on right now with this. Uh, and that actually happens because I, I, I know, like, like you said, you'd be really mad if the NFL just lets it go after the Gruden thing. But And, and I, I'm going to be mad when that happens because it is going to happen. They're going to let it go after Gruden. Uh, it's just kind of the way the NFL operates. So the, the history shows it. They do one big punishment for one guy, and then the rest of them don't see much of anything after that. And look at uh, w- whether it be the uh, domestic abuse scandals that we seem to have in a stretch in a row there. It seemed like we got one guy who got the bulk of the punishment, and then anybody else after that really got nothing. I mean, I'm a Chiefs fan, but look at Tyreek Hill. He, what, he was playing week one uh, after his whole deal, and it, it, it's just kind of the way the NFL operates. They're too uh, big of a business right now. Um, to get pushed over in any way, shape, or form. They're, they're going to give Gruden uh, the axe, and everybody else is just going to get glazed over. That's what I think is going to happen in this situation. And that's the thing that really sucks, because you take a look at all the things that happen in the NFL, and even in all sports in general, but the NFL has been the biggest culprit of just kind of letting stuff go, and like you said, one punishment and letting it go. But you kind of just take a look at that. And what does that say about the character the character of the players? Because, I mean, they just keep doing it. You keep having domestic abuse cases that go through. And there's, like, no other counseling for players there. There's no other funding to help, like, families in certain aspects. Uh, the drug and performance-enhancing usage. Just scandals like this. Scandals like Urban Meyer. I mean, you take a look at the long list. Of the Cowboys, biggest front-runner for them. Nothing really happened to the Cowboys back with Jerry Jones, but I mean, you look at all this major list of stuff that has happened and just only a certain amount of people get off or get punishment and everybody else gets off scot-free. I, I don't think that can stand. Why? Something's got to be done. I would definitely agree with you on that and uh, kind of closing that book. We'll see how this uh, plays out. I'm sure we'll have plenty more with this to talk about in the uh, next podcast maybe it'll be some action maybe it'll be some inaction we will have to wait and see so looking back to last week in the pro football realm uh, it was i mean there was some interesting things that said happened uh first starting with the lions you got a feel for detroit and this is coming from a guy i can't stand detroit i think it's a comedy skit over there i this is coming from a Bears fan, so, you know, there's there's that whole thing there. But Minnesota wins on a late 50-plus yard field goal, one week removed from Tucker hitting 66 for the Ravens against the Lions. Uh, Minnesota picks up a close win there. Patriots looked not great against Houston. They still squeak out the win. Uh, Green Bay and Cincinnati took turns missing field goals before the Packers finally decided that they wanted to win. <laughs> took turns. No, the Packers about choked it. Uh, the Steelers, Steelers beat the Broncos. Maybe the Broncos aren't as much of the real deal as maybe was considered there for the first bit. Uh, Bears, beat a, 
Bears beat a Raiders team that clearly did, was not focused on what was on the field. And this is obviously before we knew the magnitude of the Gruden thing, so that does explain a little bit there. Chargers come back, beat the Browns 47-42. Cardinals stay hot. Bills route the Chiefs and the Ravens. What a fourth quarter for the Ravens on Monday night as they come back and beat the Colts. Uh, what were your guys' thoughts in week five? Any games you specifically looked at and went, wow, what a what a game here? You think Lamar Jackson's overhyped? He showed you why he's not. They finally Man. let him pass the damn ball. I Man have been saying 30, this. 37 completions and I think it was, what, 45 or 46 yeah. passing? I have been like saying that. this since they got beat in the playoffs of his first year. I think it was the Chargers. If you just let the guy throw the damn ball, and they finally did. I mean, he can he can do a lot with his legs, don't get me wrong. But letting him throw the football, that looked like a fourth quarter for the ages for Lamar and company. Uh, the, the Colts needed the win. They're now one and four. But it was pretty awesome watching Baltimore uh, move the ball. And not only that, getting the two-point conversions they needed late in this game as well. So that is a – it's an impressive outing from Lamar. He had the highest – it was the highest completion rate percentage on a 40-pass game. It was the most completions in a 40-pass game. It was the first time a quarterback has ever had 40-pass attempts with 400 yards with that completion rating as well. Highest total of career yards so far. Highest deficit comeback for Lamar Jackson in general. I mean, he just had a day. And like you said, if he if you let him throw the ball, the dude has an arm. He can put balls where he wants it. He is a true athlete. Let the man play. And then also the Broncos are mediocre. That's all I have to say about that. It was short-lived. We loved it. And goodbye. We might win against the Raiders. We might not. You, you never know. So those are the two games, Ravens and Broncos games, that you uh, looked at and thought, hey, that was that was worth talking about. For your Broncos, not in a good oh, way. Oh, no, but... hold on here. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going back through the, the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game. That was just a game of just trading blows in general, and that was a fun game to watch. I was sitting at Applebee's watching that You're a little bit. You're talking Packers-Bengals? Or, yeah, what did I say? Pittsburgh Bengals. Sorry, yeah. I got distracted with the Broncos game. No, the <laughs> uh, Packers and the Bengals. Good Lord. Um, that was really a fun game to watch. Joe Burrow still looking pretty good. Aaron Rodgers showing why he he still should be the, the QB one. He is doing what Aaron Rodgers does. Devontae Adams, the reason that I picked the Bengals over the Packers was I thought Devontae Adams was going to be hurt and out. He was on the, uh, the injured list. And so that didn't go good. Um, yeah, they proved me wrong. And then I think you talk about the Bills and the Chiefs. I called this one. The Chiefs are kind of not in it. They're in a different headspace right now. Mahomes still not looking good. But Josh Allen, man, he, he's he got those Bills firing on all cylinders right now. So they're just a tough team to beat with that offense. I was in that same boat with you taking Buffalo. I mean, like you said, this was one you could kind of see coming. I don't think, and Steven, I'm sure will be will be in on this here in a second. Oh yeah, but he's a Chiefs fan, ain't he? Yeah, I was gonna say you can't trash Kansas City too bad. Uh, I'm but not I, them. I think I don't you, think 
I'm sold that Kansas City's quite done yet. I know that's been the topic of like every other sports show that I've tuned into is are the Chiefs dead when I was listening on Monday. But I mean, other than the Chargers, who in that division exactly is going to be better than Kansas City once they get rolling in division play? I mean, they lost it's, to the Chargers, but Denver doesn't look great. Vegas, coming into this week, I thought Vegas was going to beat Chicago, and then I was like, okay, maybe the Raiders are. But with everything going on in the Raiders, kind of makes you wonder about them. I'm not ready to call Kansas City dead week five of 17, but it'll be interesting to see uh, what the Chiefs do going forward. And before we jump in, Stephen, I say all the Chiefs need right now is just a turnaround week. They need just kind of a redevelopment. They need to be able to get Mahomes back to where he should be. I feel like they will get that opportunity. It's just they're finally kind of hitting their struggle bus since the Super Bowl and since losing to Tom Brady last year. It's like they are still the same caliber team. The defense is a little shaken up. They aren't being able to keep teams under points from where they were last year and the year before. But, I mean, if you look at that team, it's still the same dynamic team on offense that everybody has to be able to compete with with a sec- or with a very quick secondary. So if you can still continue to use your weapons, I think the Chiefs turn it around and they're going to be A-OK. But right now, like I said, they're in a headspace that they just can't find a way to get out of. Uh, can you guys hear me OK? Oh, yes, yeah. Can. All right. I, I, I had muted my mic at one point, and I was just making sure I got back. Um. But you, everything you guys are saying is right about Kansas City. Um, as a fan, like I'm frustrated right now, uh, but I'm not hitting the panic button, especially with uh, two of the three losses that we have um, were due to just dumb turnovers. You know, uh, when you look at the Ravens' loss, we turned it over on a drive that looked like we were going to score and take the lead on. Uh, and then three turnovers right there in the first quarter in Chargers territory against the Chargers. And like you, you could easily be talking about a four and one Chiefs team right now. And so I'm not hitting the panic button. Yes, we we got embarrassed by the Bills. Uh, <laughs> on um, and a lot of that is due to the defense, you know. Uh, I think we need to make a change as far as Sorensen. I, I I love me some Dirty Dan, but uh, uh, he's just <laughs> he was more of a like a big playmaker in the past, and right now all he's doing is getting beat in the secondary very very badly uh, by just about any receiver who lines up on the line of scrimmage. So I think there needs to be a change right there. I think that's a that's a good step in the right direction. But you're right, a turnaround week. A turnaround weeks, actually, plural, is probably what we need. I have total faith in Andy Reid that he can figure out how to get this offense clicking again. He's too smart of a coach to allow uh, what's been going on so far. I, I don't believe for a second that he's just going to get constantly outcoached from a defensive coordinator week in and week out. He, he's been in the league too long. He's too good of a coach for that. I think the Chiefs, just in general as a coaching staff, are way too good to get out coached. Yeah, in Spags, uh, on the de- as the defensive coordinator, yes, he's working with not an outstanding group of talent right now, uh, but he's still one of the better defensive coordinators in all of NFL. You can date that back into the mid-2000s with his coaching. 
So I'm I'm not hitting the panic button with Kansas City. I'm just frustrated right now. Um, we'll, we'll get it figured out. We'll make the playoffs. I'm not promising a division right now because the Chargers look amazing, and I want to talk about that Chargers Browns game. Justin uh, Herbert. Yeah, this is just this is a prove it for the Chargers. They've proved it week in and week out, but they went up against a Browns team who's just really good at demoralizing you and keeping your offense off the field. And the Chargers put up 47 freaking points on the Browns. So they it didn't matter if they were on the field or not. They were scoring. Uh, th- this Chargers team is outstanding. I hate them, but they're outstanding. And um, they're, they're going to be a team to watch come playoff time, especially uh, with Mr. Herbert there at the quarterback position. And so with that, we're going to jump into week six picks here. And, Stephen, if you want to pick along with us, I'll keep tabs of that as we uh, head into week Our six. Picker. There you go. I mean, he's he's got to do better than the Hexbug has so far. I mean, the Hexbug's 10 games under 500. I mean, to be fair, it is completely random, but still. When, when you're saying Hexbug, are, are you talking about those little vibrating toys? Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> This came up in like how... this came up in probably the I don't know fifth, sixth, seventh episode. The first, whatever the first one we brought Nick on was, and somehow he brought up hex bugs. I have no idea how this came up. And then the following, I think it was two episodes after that, we had a, a guy named Damien on who came up with this brilliant idea of, oh, you guys are picking the games. You should have the hex bug pick the games. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we've been running with it and. That's exactly what it sounds. I'm impressed that you know what a hex bug is. So my my, uh, my younger brother's uh, friends would bring them over, and they had like a track <laughs> and everything for those guys. They were they had hex bug collections and everything. It was crazy. I mean, we we talked about that at the two. I mean, I've never had a track for them because the track is like eighty bucks. Like I kid you not. There's like nothing that's like a, below fifty. But yeah, I, and and because I'm an impulse buyer, I couldn't resist but buy the uh, cheap pack I could find. So I bought a, a five pack of them, and yeah, that's been making picks, and it's been hit or miss. But as is the case with random picks, so there you go. You can check it out. You can check it out on TikTok. Oh yeah, at the Covert Show on TikTok, it is. It's Speaking something. Following it right what now. Else? Following it right what now. else can we? What other? kind of shout outs can we give there jc oh yeah it's the it's the time of the episode where i'm reminded by somebody that's not me <laughs> use the code word covert 20 for 15 percent off raise energy this is why i don't host the show alone this is why i've got up uh, but i will say but i can't get roasted too bad when i do host the show alone i remember this better than when i'm talking to other people because i get immersed in our conversations and that's the oh, last yeah. thing on my mind so Nick gets the uh, gold star for the episode, but it is, uh, it's out there. Uh, Covert 20, 15% off raise energy. And it is the hex bugs or the Covert show on TikTok. They, I, I, I've been adding things. I added the wild card. I added the divisional series. I'll add the championship series. I'm thinking about doing some college football. Maybe, maybe pick a couple of games here and there to do, but uh, starting, I would say do like top five games of the week and then bowl season. I'd say bowl season. Every single bowl game? 
No, maybe every single bowl, but like the conference <laughs> championships, especially. Yeah, I was gonna say but, once we get into real, I, like I should have done Penn State Iowa. That was that was oh, on yeah. me. I didn't think about this before, but um, we'll we'll figure it out. Well, we've got yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff going. Everyone's gonna be on the edge of their seat for that hex bug pick on the cheese at bowl, aren't they? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the Foster Farms e- toilet bowl. Everybody is going to be just absolutely excited for these picks um so jumping into week six picks i have rc's pick we'll start i'll go i'll do rc's last because i don't want anybody uh, influenced by these picks it's the bucks it's the eagles another tampa bay thursday night game i'll just start off it, it's hard to go against tampa bay so i'm not gonna do it i'm taking tampa to knock off philadelphia after a game last week where tom brady just went nuts Miami annihilated the dolphins Phil- philadelphia is not going to stand a chance if they do that's fine but tampa bay thursday night yeah you're you're sitting back pretty yeah, bucks secondary's uh chewed up a bit here so i wouldn't be surprised if the eagles put up some points but it's not you're not uh logically sound if you pick the eagles in this one bucket <laughs> you're gonna win so straight across the board, Tampa as RC picked Tampa Bay as well. Uh, the early game Sunday, it's the Dolphins and Jaguars, a couple of teams that are shaky at best. I just, I guess Miami, because I just don't have any faith in Jacksonville at this point. Uh, I think it should be fairly good because I'm not sure either team is on a playoff trajectory this year, but I will take Miami. I'm really torn. I don't blame I, you. I'm right there with you. I, You know what? I'm going to do it. I think that the Jags get their first win of the year. I don't really know anything about like about why I'm picking this. I just I got a hunch. There's nothing with wrong it. with a gut feeling or a hunch. I, I want Trevor Lawrence to go off and have a weekend. So Jags over the Dolphins, baby. We're doing it. I agree. Jags are going to take this one. Oh, got to look at a quarterback mass matchup on this. And uh, who who do you trust more? Is Jacoby still the quarterback there? Or are they on? To number I one? believe he is. Yeah. Okay. I like Br- Jacoby's great. You know, he, he's a great backup, great career backup. But uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think I'm taking the edge in this one. So we got the Vikings and Panthers. This is another Wait, one of those. What was RC's pick? Oh, I did skip RC's pick. He had the Dolphins as well. So Jags, so far we Dolphins. I like it. Two and two on that one. Uh, Minnesota and the Panthers. I don't know how to feel about this one. Minnesota's been playing really good down the stretch here. Carolina's at home. As much as it pains me, I think I am going to take the Vikings in this one just because they've been playing better. They needed a field goal to beat Detroit but they got the field goal to beat Detroit, so I will take Minnesota in this uh, game over Carolina. See, I'm going to have to go the opposite. I got Sammy Darnold playing pretty good. He's got six INTs on the year, but I just think the way that he's been playing in Carolina so far, it's a much better system than when he was at New York. He's got a couple of better weapons. Chubba Hubbard's absolutely being a stud back there. Um, I, I got the Panthers in this. I think the defense is able to hold the Vikings, uh, especially without Dalvin Cook. Madison has stepped up for the Vikes, but um, I think this is where Kirk Cousins starts his fall on another round of the year. So Panthers win at home in Carolina. 
Yeah, I, I think I'm going to let myself overthink this one. Uh, <laughs> it, it seems like one of those where uh, Kirk Cousins is going to like play well. You know, it's about fifty-fifty with him anymore. <laughs> uh, I really do love the Panthers. I think they're. I, I'm rooting for Sam. Uh, I think. I think they might have a shot at the playoffs, but I. This feels like one that the Vikings might pull out. So you have Minnesota. Yes. Okay. Uh, RC took Carolina. Um, I'm sure you can guess RC's pick for this next one. It's the Ravens and Chargers. It should be another good game. I mean, you might see another high-scoring affair. Ravens are at home, and it feels like the Ravens might have finally found their stride a little bit at the end of the Colts game. It took them a while, and I think if it takes them until the fourth quarter against the Chargers – I don't think that they could score enough to catch up with the Chargers if they're down. Uh, I would assume it'd be more than 16 if they come out of the gate as slow as they did against the Colts. I'm taking the Ravens in this one to knock off the Chargers. Steven, I'm going to let you go first. I'm kind of looking here. I'm, I'm really I'm really going to overthink this one. All right, that's fine. I, I think I got my pick. Go uh, for it. Ravens do play down to their competition a lot, but they also play up to their competition. They've already shown us that quite a bit this year. Uh, I, I like the Ravens in this one. I really do want to pick the Chargers, but I think the Ravens will win. They have home field advantage. And uh, like I said, they tend to play up to their competition. This is one of those cases. Ravens are two and a half point favorites right now over under set at 52. I'm going to, so looking at the Ravens offense, they like to score a little bit. Like they've got three straight game or they've got three games over 30. Otherwise they keep low scoring affairs, but they're, they're a high powered offense. We've seen it before. We saw it this last week and they're able to put up points fast. But the Chargers really don't allow, besides last week against the Browns, they don't allow a lot of points. And I think that's where the Chargers are going to over, like overtake this win, is just starting the, or starting the Ravens off slow. And Justin Herbert has been playing really, really great lately. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Chargers in this one, too. I don't think I would call it an upset, but just for the environment, I'm going to call it an upset. Moving on to the Rams and Giants. RC took the Ravens. Ravens fan, not a big surprise Man, there. I thought he took the Chargers. Yeah, that would. He's not me with the Bears, where at some point I'm just going to have to pick against him. And when I did pick against him with Detroit, Detroit ended up losing. So, anyway, uh, Rams and the Giants. Rams are humongous favorites in this. I think I saw they're like nine and a, nine and a half point favorites. I don't see any reason the Rams are going to lose this game. They will roll against the Giants. Rams all day. Matt Stafford going off. Just to make it interesting, um, I'll say that I would never pick an AFC West team to lose to an or an NFC West team to lose to an NFC East team. Uh, so Rams are going to win that. I bet you thought I was going to say Giants. <laughs> RC <laughs> if you would have the... went with the NFC least, I might have laughed really, really, really hard. Yeah, I mean that would I that's what I thought you were setting up for, and I'm like, all right, well really, really, really hard. I mean, if the Giants end up ended up winning, I was gonna be like, eh, good for you. 
but the uh, <laughs> RC uh, took the Rams as well. Uh, looking at the next one, it's another big favorite. The Colts, 10-point favorites over Houston. Again, Houston just – they kind of snuck up on the Patriots, but I'm not exactly sure how to feel about the Patriots. Colts might have found something against the Ravens. I'll go ahead and roll the dice and take the Colts on this one. I'm going to take the Colts as well. I think I had the – I forget who I had last week. But In the Colts-Ravens Colts or the Houston the game? the Texans-Patriots. Oh, you definitely took Houston. Yeah, and that didn't help. L. That's why but, you were 9-7 and seven last week, buddy. I uh, know. Uh, I think, I think I'm going to stick with the Colts. I kind of agree with you, JC. They're kind of finding a little bit of a rhythm, and they were able to hold off that high-powered Ravens offense. So if they're able to still kind of keep that that steady and hold that pace, I think Indianapolis is at least going to start winning some more games. So and it starts with Tech, or it starts with the Houston's. They're one and the four. Houston's, the Texans. They're they've surprised I, me that they're one and four, but I mean, uh huh. They got they got some more games left. That's got an extra week in the season, so we'll see what they can do. Uh, Steven, Colts and Texans. Uh, this division is abuse for NFL fans. I. I'm going to take the Colts, but who's really going to watch this game anyway? Nope. <laughs> that is a fantastic question. RC took the Colts as well. A game I'm sure you'll be playing plenty of attention to, Stephen. It's the Chiefs and Washington football team. Uh, let's see, tracking down the old line for this one. Six-and-a-half-point favorites, Kansas City. I've got to take Kansas City here. The, the turnaround's got to happen eventually. And I think this is a good start for it uh, for Kansas City as they pick up the win against the Washington football team. I'd agree with you there, JC. I think that Jameis Winston – or no, Jameis Winston's on the Saints. Never mind. Sorry. Heineke I don't think is going to get it done. Uh, I don't think the defense for Washington is going to be there at all. You got a pretty good running back in Edwards Alaire with the Chiefs, and he's having – some pretty good games so far as well. I think that this is going to be the turnaround starting with a win for KC this week in six. Uh, the This is going to look a lot closer than the spread, I think. Uh, so what did you say the spread was? Six and a half. Okay. I, I, I don't know. It, it's going to look a lot closer than you'd like it to be as a Chiefs fan. <laughs> uh, I don't think our defense is be there for another few weeks but it, it comes down to that Washington offense they're just not going to be able to keep up so again straight RC picks the Chiefs so we've now picked the Chiefs the Colts the Rams and the Bucks all the same I can guarantee you well, I can't guarantee you but I've got a pretty dang good feeling no one's going to make the next pick that I'm going to it's the Bears it's the Packers the Bears are four point dogs at home and I got to take Chicago, and here's why. I, do I think they're probably going to win? Mm, no. Probably not. But they're only a game out of first place in the NFC North. If they have any chance of catching Green Bay, it starts with this win. It's at Soldier Field. Maybe Fields can get some magic going. I like the Bears barely. In his first real matchup against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, Oh, buddy boy, I'm really sorry, but this might not be Justin Fields' day. If he proves me wrong, good for him. I got faith in him to turn the Bears around, 
but it doesn't start with this one. Aaron Rodgers looking really sharp. Devontae Adams is still in the, in the lineup, so I'm going with Green Bay. you got to remember, though, and here's why I took Chicago. It's in Chicago. If this game's in Green Bay and Fields is – this is whatever his first real matchup or whatever you – however you put it there – I mean, I don't think it's going to go well. But I think in Soldier Field, maybe that Bears defense can get something going. It might be a bit of a long shot, but I'm going to roll the dice with it. It gives him a little bit more of an advantage as a home field in Chicago, but still it's he has to understand that the Packers defense is going to be set up to force him, especially with his turnover ratio right now, to make bad throws, and they're going to blitz him out of his mind. So that is why I think that Fields – is going to have a rough day. If he proves me wrong, great. He proves me wrong. But I think the Packers got it this week. Uh, I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll take the Bears in this one. Uh, oh, I, let's go, dude. Yeah. I, I was back and forth on this one. I, I think the, I think the Bears can take this one. They've, they've looked okay these past few weeks. Moving on to Detroit and Cincinnati. It's in Detroit. And uh, let's see. I got to pull up the line for this one. I probably will be three and a half point favorites are the Bengals. It's back to back picks for me. Uh, RC took the Packers, if I didn't say that. Um, Detroit's got to win one of these games. And this is going to be the week. MCDC gets the win. And there it is the Detroit Lions. I picked them against Chicago and they lost. Uh, we'll see. I got the Lions taking down Cincinnati. Oh, let's load it up here. Let's look at some stats and kind of see where we're see where we're at here. Bengals are three and two on the year. They've had a couple of close wins. You know, this is this is kind of a toss up for me. The, the Bengals haven't played extremely good. They've lost a lot of close games, so I feel like that's where their margins going to kind of be sitting at. I think if they're able to kind of keep Joe Burrow back on his feet and keep them, keep him a little bit healthy and give him some time, I think he can really pick this Lions defense apart. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do it. JC, I'm going to go with you. I got the Lions this week. Um, you know what? The Bengals win the games that they're supposed to win, and they're going to win. That's true. So uh, I got the Bengals. RC also had the Bengals down to the final uh, five games here. It's the Cardinals. It's the Browns. It's in Cleveland, and the Cardinals are dogs. You, Those of you that have listened to the podcast, Nick that's been on some podcasts here, knows that I am all in on the Cardinals. No change this week. Arizona, they're three-point dogs on the road. Gotta love it. And I'll put this as the lock. Arizona knocks off Cleveland. Oh, ho, ho, ho. this is, I think this is probably a game of the week pick right here. I mean, it's just, it's going to be a dog fight and it's just going to be an absolute battle. I think the way that you look at the Browns right now, they're still playing good football at a three and two record um, with a couple of close losses being one to the chiefs and then one to the chargers. So, Good teams, I'll still give the Chiefs a very good team ratio on this because they are a good team. They're going through a rough patch. Uh, the Chargers are a fantastic team right now, so two losses to really good teams. 
as much as I like the Cardinals, I kind of want the Browns in an upset at home. The Browns are favored. I know. But, well, to me right now with the Cardinals offense, that's just going to be a tough one. I still got to go with the cards. Kyler Murray in that offense is way too electric right now. Boy, I thought you were going with Cleveland there for a second. I felt like it. I switched it up. <laughs> I was going to say Cleveland, and I was like, you know what? Kyler Murray's just looking too raw right now. Uh, I, I got the Cardinals in this one. I can't pick against them. They're like that guaranteed stock right now that uh, Edward Jones invests for your retirement fund. I, I think they'd be the this one. RC took gotta, the Cardinals as well. Go ahead, Nick. You got a quarterback who is 124 of 165 right now <laughs> with 1,500 yards of passing, and he could do it with his feet. The man is just a stud. Give him another Heisman, for God's sake. Like, he, he is proving why short quarterbacks can still be successful. He's quick, he's agile, he can still read a defense when he's moving. I mean, you just haven't found a way to stop him yet. And I feel like once that comes around, it's going to be a different story. But right now, he is just playing on fire. So moving on to the Cowboys and Patriots. Cowboys are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. So I've taken the Bears that were uh, dogs. I've taken Detroit that's a dog. I've taken Arizona that's a dog. And that run ends here. How about them Cowboys? Dallas wins the game. Why do you always do that when you pick the Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Because like, it's fun. <laughs> because it's fun. Oh, man. Good old quote-unquote doing quotation marks America's team. But America, they are, baby. They're playing some, playing some pretty good football right now. And the Patriots are just looking a little shaky. Mac Jones is still playing all right, but I think Dak Prescott and the Pokes are going to get it done. Sadly, I'm a Cowboys fan this week. Cowboys will win. So there you go. Short short to the point. Thanks, Desmond Howard. Straight across (laughs) the board. Cowboys for everybody. All right, moving to the final three games of the week. It is the Raiders and the Broncos. Raiders are three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road. Uh, I just don't like Denver. Mm-hmm. I just don't mm-hmm. like Denver. I, I mean, I hate to say it. You're a Denver fan. I, I Earlier on, I think I said that the Denver Broncos might be that upset team. Uh, this is tough because can the Raiders regroup with the controversy that's spinning around Gruden? I mean, he's gone. So maybe with the new head coach, interim head coach in there, they can get through it. I'm going to roll the dice on this one. This is one that you would think Denver would be the safe pick. I'm going to go with the Raiders on this game. Looking at the offense, we got a quarterback who is still possibly, he's supposed to play, but under concussion protocol still. Jerry Judy's out. He's on IR. Melvin Gordon is questionable. We got a safety out in Kareem Jackson. I'm going with the Raiders. I'm sorry. We're not pulling enough this week. Taking it's, it's, against look, your own team. Oh. The numbers. Come on, numbers man. Just don't, okay, if we had Jerry Judy, I'd be a little bit more confident. But we don't have Jerry Judy. Bridgewater is kind of a little bit struggling with his concussion issues. We got Colin Sutton. But otherwise, we don't got Melvin Gordon possibly because he's on the IR, I believe, with an ankle. Or, or he's looking with that ankle, I think, is what it was again. But – the offense just not there right now, and we're struggling against the teams that we need to compete with. So, Raiders, sorry. 
Wow, I hate these teams. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we need, when Steven comes on, we got to keep a tally chart of what he what he hates because I've heard I've hate this team. I hate that I team. I despise them. That's got to be we, like we, six or seven times. We've talked about all those things I dislike. Spencer Rattler, <laughs> the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, he went Boston, off. He Red said Dogs, two words on Rattler. Damn. The Broncos. Uh, I, I guess the Raiders, I, they have more um, offensive firepower than the Broncos in this case. And, and I think that's going to be the edge in this one. So now we're down to the final two, Sunday night football, as RC took the Raiders as well. So an interesting one there. Nobody likes the Broncos. Seahawks. I, like them. I just don't trust them. Well, you didn't like them enough to pick them, so nobody likes the Broncos as uh, <laughs> Seahawks and Steelers. Seahawks are five-and-a-half-point dogs. If, if I had to pick a dog that I thought was really uh, not necessarily automatic to win this game, Pittsburgh's been all over the place. I like Seattle. I'm picking Seattle. I kind of agree with you. Pittsburgh is just on – they're on a chopping block with something. Ben Roethlisberger looking real shaky. They're just not able to find a rhythm on offense. They're utilizing Najee Harris a little bit better, but it's kind of getting a little bit lost in the sauce. Russell Wilson still going to be able to do what Russell Wilson does. I think this week is going to be kind of a decent week for him. So Seattle. Yeah, I agree. Steelers look bad. Seattle's winning this one. And then the final game, uh, throwback to the Music City miracle. It's the Bills and Titans on Monday Night Football. Uh, Buffalo five and a half point favorites. Tennessee has been all over the place this year when it comes to losing to the Jets in overtime. They were able to pick up some wins. I don't like Tennessee personally, even though they're at home. Sign it, ship it, get it out of here. The Buffalo Bills win again. Yeah, when you when you only score thirteen points against the Cardinals and you've been very, 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 very shaky on on other games. I'm gotta go with the Buffalo Bills. They're they might be looking for a fifth fall of Buffalo this year. Uh, the Bills will win, but I don't think it's going to be as big of a margin as a lot of people think it might be. I think the Titans might hang in here. They're they're not a good team by any means, but uh, I think uh, Bills coming off of an absolute throttling of the Kansas City Chiefs last week. Titans will hang in there. How hard was that to say out of your own mouth? Man, <laughs> you said that with me not pure as force. As you think it is. You, you said that with some force besides every other team that you hate on here. Man, <laughs> <laughs> you let them have it. So RC took Buffalo as well. Just a reminder of where everybody sits. Uh, we'll keep track of what Steven does. Maybe he'll win the week. RC won last week. Uh, right now, RC and I tied 49 and 31 for the lead. Uh, as Nick, three games back at 46 and 34. Hexbug, 14 back, 35 and 45. I haven't done anything with the running of the Hexbug yet, so we'll have those uh, throughout the day on Sunday. Might get them a little earlier than I did uh, last week, but it's uh, going to be interesting there. We had a lot of the same picks this week, so maybe everybody will do good. I mean, 
Nick's pick with the Chargers could be a big difference maker. Uh, the Bears pick for me and Steven could be a big difference maker. All right, does anybody have anything to throw out before we uh, start to wrap up the old podcast here? The Devious Lick Challenge got updated to now trying to slap teachers. Did I? Is that an actual thing? Because I yes, I saw it's an that thing. I saw that on like some. Uh, document that was shared through tiktok and i'm like are we really doing this now i i don't know how many kids are actually going to do it but it's supposed to be out there and i Jeez. weep I, I i don't know what you the hell you're talking about honestly <laughs> all <laughs> right so the devious lick so th- this is something that we talked about two or three episodes ago and it's basically it starts off as like you go into the bathroom and you try to steal items out of your school. Now, this is for high school. I don't think it transferred to college because hopefully college students are smarter. We're just going to say that. Oh, it went to elementary schools, too. Okay. Well, we're just going to pretend that, that, that that's <laughs> not a thing because that's, that, that's not good on any level. None of this is good on any level. But basically, they'd steal, like, hand dryers and doors off of the bathroom and uh, doors Sinks. off of the stalls and sinks and they like i think i saw projectors were getting stolen in some schools it it is wild and, and the it, idiotic the idiotic part is they post it so they post but, the, their friends going in there taking this projector and walking out like they think nothing big is gonna happen like well, are you Oh, my God. One of my favorite ones, and I use the word favorite here lightly. I, I Obviously, I'm not in favor of any of this, but the one that I, I just, I don't know, amused is probably not the right word here, but, like, the one, that got, the one that got me was, so they're trying to bust this bathroom door down, right? And the video's going, and they hear a knock on the bathroom door, and, and all you see is everybody just, like, going in different stalls and you see the person walk in and that door is just all jacked up because they were trying to take it off and they couldn't get it going and then the person leaves and everybody leaves and they come back later in the day and they still see that door there like someone tried to pull it off the hinges like what the hell are we doing why is this a thing like there was you know there was the tide pod challenge there was the dancing while your car was driving next to you that maims people there's the crate challenge that like those are stupid but this is like public vandalism like you're vandalizing school stuff like this to me is a whole nother level but yeah tiktok what are we doing well and now so just to keep you up to date steven now and in case anybody else listening does not understand what's going on there is now the devious lick challenge where you can go up and hit or cuss or something at a teacher i believe it's hit i have a friend who's in minnesota right now that said he had to sign a form or go to like a little mini conference over zoom or whatever that says hey by the way this is going on do not hit kids back like this is the world (sighs) we're living in now where kids are going up to their teachers and hitting them on social media I just want to go back to the days where our parents put thumbtacks on chairs on quote-unquote accident. <laughs> and that so, was the least of their worries. I am curious, though, and, and I, I don't know how much your friend told you about this. So what is the action to that? Like, what are you supposed to do? Okay, your student walks up and hits you, whatever, cusses at you, whatever, whatever's supposed to happen with this. So what is the protocol there? Obviously, you can't hit a student in this day and age like that. Okay, fine. But what exactly are you supposed to do with this? 
what did he, he give any details of like what exactly you're supposed to do? Because you're really, towing the line here with a lot of what's happening. He really didn't like. He was just. They didn't really know how to how to handle it. Just because it's like it's coming up so fast, and it's like they're not sure what they can and can't do. He's basically supposed to, if it happens, then like he can keep an eye out. Um, immediately supposed to go to like the admin, take student to office, whatever, yada yada yada. But they can actually give like some pretty decent punishments for a lot of this stuff is what I've been hearing from. And this is just teachers around as well that I've been kind of seeing people on Twitter say. So I don't know. It's like you said, it's hard to go around this because as a teacher, you can't really hit a kid. But you sure do. you sure can't. Yeah, you definitely can't. But like you can't you can't like do what a nun did back in the day and just with a ruler well, on the knuckles. And that and with this, you can't just roll over and take it either. I mean, or else you're going to be running a circus there because everybody's going to do whatever they want. I mean, that's kind of what you saw at the beginning of this with that stealing of the stuff because all these school administrators did not know what was going on because clearly none of them are on TikTok. I mean, this is an app that's gauged towards younger demographics. So you're 50, 60 year old. That vegan teacher. What if we sit in the corner? What if we just sit him in the corner with a dunce hat on like they did? <laughs> uh, no, that promote that you'd get argued. You'd hurt their feelings, Steven. Yeah, that hurts their feelings. <laughs> I would say though, I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Though, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, granted, I I don't oh, like bullies because, because bullying bullying. is so bad. Like, it, it's very bad. But like putting a kid in the corner with a dunce hat, you're gonna call that bullying? No, I'm gonna call that paying for your actions. You did something stupid, bud. You gotta sit there and take it. Well, I, I mean, technically, if they physically abuse a teacher, you'd think the police would be involved. But oh, I yeah. think well, that's a good a point too. In the corner is a close second, right? Well, I mean, if you're a student, I feel like you'd rather be put in the corner with a dunce cap on rather than being like, "Hey, we're gonna call the cops on you for this." I don't know. Cool. We can make those dunce hats pretty damn tall. <laughs> I just, I, I would be so intrigued to see, like, I mean, it, the point of a punishment is to make this person feel like what I did was wrong, and here, here's all this, uh, the punishment mm-hmm. that goes with it. Like, this is designed not to make you feel good. So, like, yeah. uh, well, it's like coaches nowadays. A kid is late to practice, and you, you're not allowed to punish them or run until they puke like that's not a thing anymore how are you supposed to teach kids discipline nowadays like college athletes can't do it be like colleges aren't allowed to say by the way if you are late to practice or you have bad grades or you like miss lifting or whatever you you have to run you can't say that anymore or you can't give kids up downs until they just can't get up anymore and use their arms and bring them a bottle of water and say all right have you learned your lesson that's apparently wrong now. So, I mean, if we can't do that, then, Steven, I'm sorry. We can't put a dunce hat on a kid in a corner and put it all the way to the ceiling. Like, I mean, sorry. I, I don't know. It, it is. It, it feels pretty watered down right now. So, <laughs> to the basics. Oh, we might be able to get away with it. I'm just saying. It, it, it sounds like we got every punishment in the book outlawed right now. <laughs> Including self-defense when a student comes up to slap you across the face or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so 
you know what? About a five foot dunce hat, just a big old big old cone just set on top of that student's head. Park him in the corner. Make sure all of his friends can find the hallway too. Can uh, we put him out at recess with it taped around their head too? They have to face the wall. Well, you have to. Then you start going into the whole public humiliation thing. Like, where is the where do we draw the line of like, okay. We're making this person feel bad. We're making this kid feel bad without just, you know, running them through the whole works of like public humili- hum- humiliation. Boy, that was hard to say. But I'm really sorry if you steal a bathroom door or try to and you get caught because you either did it during school hours and got caught trying to sneak back into the other stall. <laughs> You put it on TikTok and you and your friends got caught. I am sorry. You deserve to be publicly humiliated because (laughs) you didn't do it right. Like, this is not promoting anything of kids need to get smarter and trying to steal stuff because please don't. You're just dumb right now. Well, we said that three episodes ago of like, this, we're talking about it because we have to, not because this is good and not because we want to. I, it's, it's like, it kind of like what you were saying. It's like, funny but it's not funny i haven't found the right word for it i don't amusing's not the right word it's it's almost baffling just because your (sighs) stupidity and your just arrogance of oh yeah this is gonna be funny i'm gonna get views i'm gonna get famous is taking over the fact that your common sense is just non-existent The police does not get involved in these things anymore because I don't know. It sounds like vandalism. Oh, it is salt and all all that good stuff that you know takes you to court most of the time. Uh, Sounds like these students are just you know waltzing around schools, taking uh, stall doors out of bathrooms and waltzing down the hallway with them, just like ah, you can't do anything to me. Well, and now here's the worst part about it because now that you kind of mentioned that. A kid gets a dunce hat put on him, for example. <laughs> You're gonna get a note's gonna get sent to the principal's office. Parents will get called, and they'll be like, "Well, why did you put a dunce hat on my kid? Oh, Didn't you have it on your head like when you were here too?" No, but or yeah, but that's not the point. But then you're going to have all these kids go, oh, my gosh, look at Matt. He's got a dunce hat on. It's going to get put on TikTok. And then you're going to have kids getting in trouble to get dunce hats. Like, it's not going to happen. Oh, end. yeah, because you have no idea what the <laughs> heck's going to be trending. <laughs> like, it, it, TikTok especially, but social media in general just brings out the worst in people. <laughs> Jonathan, can we also just for a plug at the beginning of the show before you continue, can we get a hashtag or episode what is it, eighteen or episode whatever? eighteen. Episode eighteen hashtag dunce hat. I mean, we, we sure we sure can say that that's one of the things we talked about during this episode was the good old dunce cap. <laughs> but if you don't know what it is, please go look it up. It is a massive cone on the top of a person's head. <laughs> And if you got caught wearing it, I would hope you would just feel a little bit ashamed in yourself. The taller the cone, the better. Throw some strippers <laughs> up at the top of that thing just hanging out there. <laughs> what is your obsession with the, the height of it, man? Well, it I, isn't like, there a thing? Uh, sorry to cut you off, Steven. Isn't there a thing with that, though? Like, the taller it is, like, the worse you are. Like, the worse the punishment's yeah. supposed to be. Like, if it's, like, a party hat size, like, okay, you did something bad. But if it's, like, three feet tall or five feet tall, you really, really did something bad. Jonathan, I'm going to be honest. I don't know what the rules of the dunce hat are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at 
Oh, when was the dunce cap banned? It was used. Okay, so this is just. Wow, so we were going to spend the next 20 minutes of the podcast (laughs) talking about the dunce cap and its history. Here we go. (laughs) So this is straight off the internet. So it's definitely true. No falsehoods in Uh this. Okay. The internet's more true than social media, if that sentence makes any sense. Oh, okay. Well, that's setting the bar pretty high, Steven. Just to give credit, the off of Slate, the dunce cap wasn't always so stupid. (laughs) Trying Yeah, I know. What? Uh, What? Wait, hold on. I'm trying to look to see when, like, dates were when this What is this off of Wikipedia? I don't know. Well, I just Googled the dunce cap. Okay, this is not giving me anything, and that's way too much to read right now. Hold on. I'm looking for another article. But, so, according to um, one of this, it's a snippet from that article, it was used in the late 1950s in American schools as a modern conception of classroom etiquette and punishment that didn't humiliate or traumatize students involved specifically says that is our golden rule. That's our way around it. It does not involve humiliation or traumatizing of students involved. They sing in the corner of a room. Of course they're humiliating. <laughs> Use of the dunce cap was, um, was phased out and banned in most Western schools. So Wait. there's still somewhere out there from that article that article leads me to believe somewhere out there you can use a dunce cap still. Oh, it's probably over in England where they literally do not give two, <laughs> two flying craps about it. It's like we could never move past the ruler baiting. So I, oh, I, my gosh. They haven't moved on to the dunce cap quite yet. <laughs> if you don't drink a water bottle with your pinky up in the air, oh, man, you got a dunce cap on your head in a phone booth in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! All right, does we it, probably move on. Does anybody have anything to add about the dunce cap or anything uh, otherwise? Because I don't disagree with the idea of. I mean, just bring it back. It's not. It's not a physical punishment. And, but Nick, you're right. It might turn into the next trend if we bring it back. So we'll just have to Hashtag wait and see. Dunce cap. Hashtag dunce cap. There it is. All right, does oh, any Okay, hold on, hold on. So I found like the definition of like where it kind of like was supposed to be originated for. A tall cone-shaped hat formerly worn by slow or lazy students as a punishment in school. Oh, that's definitely getting canceled. <laughs> <laughs> the terminology you just used. We're going to have to bleep out that entire sentence on the podcast, dude. <laughs> Just take out this entire segment, man. Oh, uh, well, no. <laughs> we we, we don't take out segments on this show, Nick. Uh, don't yeah, you remember three or four episodes ago when you took eight minutes to figure out your final three picks from, like, week three <laughs> when Damien was on the show? That, and our, yeah, I've never heard RC. I've never heard RC so impatient with somebody, and it was spectacular. <laughs> It was that was that was wild. We don't cut things out on this show unless it's no, like severely it a, bad. That was a struggle bus because I went to the bathroom and you guys picked way faster, and then I got zoned out and I was like, "Oh, like, you were on another planet, dude! You were on another <laughs> planet." You're like, "What are we picking for?" After we picked, <laughs> after we picked thirteen of the sixteen games, you you come back with a RC's like, "We'll pick the damn game." What are we even picking for, boys? 
Uh, classic. If you uh, missed that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's a couple hour episode, I think, because Damien talks about a lot of stuff. Uh, we talk about hex bugs. Uh, Nick forgets where he's at, I guess. I don't know. It was, it's classic. But it, it is a pretty good episode. So I was up in space with William Shatner for a second. <laughs> you you were somewhere doing something that uh-huh. had you on another planet. So anyway, <laughs> uh, does anybody have anything to add for this uh, podcast here as uh, we start to wind down number 18? Please bring back the Duns cap. Thank you. Yeah, uh, on a more serious note, not in the dunce. Uh, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no, uh, no, I appreciate being on. It was a fun time. Thanks for having me. Uh, great, great podcast y'all got going on right now. Yeah, it was certainly fun to bring you on, Steve, and hopefully we could have you on again down the line. Do you have any social media or whatnot you want to shout out here on the show as uh, we wind her down? Well, no social media that's going to uh, wildly entertain you or fill up your timeline by any means because I tweet just about every once a week for a football <laughs> game. That's about it. Um, I do have a podcast myself. If you uh, big uh, Iowa, uh, Iowa high school sports fan, Iowa college sports fan, uh, it's called Between the Rivers Podcast up on SoundCloud under my name, Stephen Cutler. So. You can check that out if that's your forte, and uh, I'd I'd love to have you give a listen. Even more, love to have you argue with the, some things I say on there. So, uh, well, that's great. I was going to say, as I I was on one of the early ones to talk about some BV football, and I can tell you, I've listened to a few of those, and they are very good podcasts. It's a podcast that you don't necessarily a topic that isn't necessarily talked about very much with the uh, Northwest Iowa high schools and all that so it is certainly a really good podcast you have going nick do you have anything that you would like to add uh before we wrap it up bigs move or big moves kind of we got two jobs on the media leads right now so that's really kind of hyping me up a little bit i got an interview on friday hell yeah dude get it i know there we go so that's for a job out in winterset iowa it's going to be for a company called raised hunting so we'll keep you guys updated on that as well but for now the only thing that i got website coming out fully on friday it is official friday is the launch for that you can catch it at nickwarrior8.wix.com backslash nick hendricks it will be up it'll be ready to go photo gallery is up show reel is ready to go a couple more links need to be added on there and we are good all right, so thank you, Stephen, for joining the podcast. Thank you, Nick, as always, for being on the show. I'm JC. You can follow The Covert Show on Twitter at The Covert Show. We have a Facebook page, The Covert Show. Email, you're going to sense a pattern here, thecovertshow at gmail.com. And TikTok, we talked about it. It is literally just the hex bugs. I think there was one non-hex bug TikTok that I made, but... It's nothing exciting. There's no dancing going to be had on the TikTok. That'll do it for the Covert Show number 18. Again, use the code word COVERT20 when you check out at Raise Energy for 15% off. That'll do it for Covert Show number 18. Thanks for listening.